0: Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation. You can also send us a message through the KPL app chat if you wish to reach out to the show that way on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham uh, and Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. All the ways you can reach out if you have, you know, any thoughts, comments complaints, grievances, demands for a refund. Keep in mind I wasn't educated for 8 years, so I don't have any refund money. But nonetheless, you can be part of the program simply by sending us a message or calling in. So, I wanted to start today by talking about uh the insane weekend of football, but actually there's a little bit of Of interesting news coming out of Baton Rouge, despite the fact that the legislature is not in session. The legislature is making some interesting moves, and I want to talk about that. We'll get to the football a little bit later in the show. Uh, But Republican Mandeville Representative Richard Nelson, in talking with USA Today Network's Greg Hilburn, uh, is out there touting a plan, once again, uh, we haven't seen this in a while, but maybe repealing the state's income tax. It's a very interesting proposal. Uh, it would be it would it would do something like we've seen in Texas and Florida where you get rid of the state income tax. Now, uh, according to Nelson uh, in his interview, this is really for all the marbles. He says our tax code is the fundamental problem we face that is holding us back. And he's not wrong. The Louisiana never mind the federal tax code, which is, I think, 167 thousand page volume sitting somewhere in Washington, D.C. that no man has ever read. Uh, The state income tax code is also very complex and impossible to navigate without the help of of a professional. Either you have a CPA or you have one of those programs that helps you navigate it and you fill all your uh, tax information and it it, it computates everything for you. It's very difficult for any of us as a layperson to understand all of the ins and outs, all the possible deductions, all the possible loopholes, uh, and also the, the various things that you are taxed on if you don't have assistance in doing that. And there are always pushes from the Republican Party to simplify the tax code. That's a phrase we hear often simplify the tax code. And it absolutely 100% needs to be done. We looked at this several years ago. It was before I even moved down here. I was still working at a radio station in uh, Natchitoches, where I'm from. And it was during the Jindal administration. And Jindal and several Republicans were looking at restructuring the tax code to get rid, to repeal the state income tax. And I remember very, very distinctly, I was sitting in the studio in Uh I I don't think Moon had moved down here at the time. I think he was still up in the northern part of the state, but he was talking about the issue and he was very skeptical of the issue. And I'm full disclosure, I'm very positively intrigued by the proposal to get rid of the state income tax. Now, it does mean a couple different things for your tax burden. You don't pay less. It's not a way to save you money. It has to be revenue neutral. So in all likelihood, sales taxes and property taxes will go up sharply because of this, as you see in Texas and Florida. But it does simplify your tax burden a whole lot. And that is a, that's something that is a little more convenient for the Louisiana taxpayer payer. I'm not entirely convinced that this goes anywhere, mind you, but it is an interesting proposal. Um, I, I've also in the past looked favori- favor Favoringly? Favor... Favorably. Thank you, Mark. Favorably. Uh, words escape me there, which is weird because I used to teach English. Uh, favorably. I looked favorably on ideas like the fair tax for similar reasons. The point... Of these tax proposals is to simplify your burden, but also ensure that you take care of your family before you pay the government. As the current income tax structure stands, the moment you get money from an employer, that money is all some of it's already pulled out and given to the government. The idea is that you keep all of your money and you take care of your family. And once that's done, that's when you're paying the government through the property taxes and through increased sales taxes. There is no perfect system of taxation, but this one is a little bit more preferable in that you get your money up front and then you dole out based on your needs. But there are critics to the plan and I'm not 100% sold on it. But Representative Nelson is correct that our tax code is way too complicated. And it does look like an issue that we will see going forward being addressed by the state legislature. Uh, you have Stuart Bishop uh, from here in Lafayette. is He's the uh, Ways and Means Committee Chairman He's already scheduled meetings on the subject starting, it looks like, tomorrow at 10 a.m. And this will be a a big fight for Republicans. Uh, the income tax is what we call a progressive tax, and so you know who is a fan of it. Uh I, I really am actually fairly positive about the, just the idea of the tax code reform being on the agenda in a massive way. Uh, we can do little things here or there, but when you, when you start talking about these major overhauls, you start bringing a whole lot more attention to it. And that's what we really need right now. We need a lot more attention brought to the tax code. The tax code at the state and federal level is simply too complex. And we need more and more eyes on it. So I hope that this act, even if this specific proposal doesn't go very far, I hope that people understand. It's not necessarily the tax burden. The tax burden on the American, on the Louisiana taxpayer is roughly comparable to regionals, to, to, to our regional neighbors. But The way in which we pay our taxes is not comparable and is, in fact, convoluted and, frankly, annoying. And we do need to take a look at that tax code. Anyway, 232-1542. I thought that was fascinating. I'm looking forward to this continued possible legislative battle in the future. But we're going to go ahead and take a break here on the Joe Cunningham Show. When we come back, we've got some more issues, including LaToya Cantrell now outright refusing to repay the city of New Orleans for travel upgrades and why that's a problem, we'll have that and more here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL, 232-1542. If you want to call in, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat or reach out to us in any number of ways. Uh, the show notes are live on KPL965.com. Got a link to the story on the state income tax and the other stories of the day. Uh So Latoya Cantrell, under recall in New Orleans, uh, one of the issues that's being brought up is the fact that she has incurred $29,000 in travel upgrades. And according to the, the, the rules and laws set up in the city of New Orleans, any public official who upgrades their travel itinerary, must pay back the city. And Latoya Cantrell is being asked about this, and she's flat out refusing to pay it back. Uh, She, it's, I saw the headlines over the weekend, and I, I shook it off because one of the, there's no way that this was actually a thing. And I shook it off, I didn't read into the story. And then I go and read it today because then uh, somebody that I respect a whole lot was pointing it out. And so I, I went and looked at it. And sure enough, Latoya Cantrell is saying that these upgrades are not about luxury, but they're about her the, the health and safety of her as a black woman. So this is now an issue of race and gender. Via the New York Post, Cantrell last month defended the sky-high amount of taxpayer dollars she spent on herself by claiming it was all about her safety and not luxury. As all women know, our health and safety are often disregarded and we are left to navigate alone, she told the Times-Picayune. As the mother of a young child whom I live for, I am going to protect myself by any reasonable means in order to ensure that I am there to see her grow into the strong woman I am raising her to be. Anyone who wants to question how I protect myself just doesn't understand the world black women walk in. And that's fine. I absolutely do not understand the world that black women walk in. At the same time, you choose to be an elected official. You are subject to the rules and laws of the city in which you govern. And if the rules state you cannot upgrade on the city's dime your travel plans, but you want to maintain your health and safety, that's fine, but you've got to foot the bill for it. And the this is for my child, this is for my health and safety as a black woman thing is a deflection. She is deflecting away from the problem here. Now, overall, Cantrell's recall. It is showing broad support. There is polling out there that shows broad support. There are pictures of lines of people and lines of cars that are out there, people going to sign up. And there are uh, tens of thousands of people, according to the, the, uh, the recall campaign, tens of thousands of people who have signed the recall petition. But everything is new and fresh. For the city of New Orleans, for the mayor, you have to get, in order to recall her, more than 500,000 signatures on the recall petition. You have six months, 180 days to get there. And in the first few weeks, you've only got uh, a couple dozen thousand. Uh, You might have getting close to 40 maybe, you still have a lot of signatures you need to get and not enough time to get there. So what do you do? And this is the part that the recall campaign I don't think has taken into account. You need money to go into this campaign. You need to pay people to go out and collect signatures. You need money to advertise the recall campaign. You need all sorts of cash flowing in to make this work. And right now, the recall campaign does not seem to have that. Now, that could change. Maybe they're waiting on the newness to go away to see how much that signature collection rate is going down before they decide to. But right now, there is simply not enough money. So... I fully agree that the city of New Orleans would be better off without LaToya Cantrell. That's a given. I think that if you're really looking at trying to make New Orleans a better place, you've got to start there. But if you need 530,000 signatures, something like that... Oh, I'm sorry. You need uh, you 50,000, 53,000 signatures and it's it's very tough. You've got you've got a long ways to go based on the numbers that are there right now. It's going to be a tough uphill climb for the recall, recall campaign. I hope that they get there. I hope that they that they get those signatures, but we will see based on the collection rate. Hopefully they get some money injected into that campaign so they can start paying people to go out and collect signatures, advertise, all that. I would be amazed if they got it to the ballot, frankly. Once you get enough signatures, Cantrell can can appeal the petition. And what happens then, as we've seen in other recall elections around the country, especially this year is you basically have to comb through the list of signatures. And you have to verify that every one of those signatures is a valid signature from a valid person. Somebody who is a voter in the city of New Orleans. You have to go line by line through this. So that appeal can delay things. And then you get it on the next election ballot. I'm not sure that they get it to that ballot. If they do, though, they've overcome the hardest part of it. Collecting the signatures is going to be the hardest part of it. Uh, You had the the Recall Gascon campaign in California. That failed because of poor management of a recall campaign. You can actually read about that. uh, My managing editor at Red State, Jennifer Van Laar, has written extensively on that and is going to continue writing on that because there are some big issues with the recall campaign uh, organizers. But essentially, invalid signatures cost them the chance to get on the ballot. So the campaign that's trying to recall her needs to make sure that all of those are verified. If they get it to the ballot, there is data, there is polling that shows there is broad support for it and that could actually be a threat to Latoya Cantrell's political future, but we shall see. All right. So those are the two state issues for the day taken care of. We're about to take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back on the national scene, there are warning signs for the Democrats, even the New York Times, is out there pointing out that all of the positive polling you've seen for Democrats may actually be a mirage. That's the word that's used there, a mirage. Distracting Democrats from the reality of the situation. Let's talk about the swing states and the Senate races when we come back. We'll take this spot on the hour news break here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL two three two fifteen forty two. 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the program. So a little while ago, actually, before the show gets on, but after I've worked on the show notes for the day, I get an email. And it is a fundraising email from Kevin McCarthy. Here's the lay of the land. We started off this election cycle ambitious as ever. The polls were in our favor. A record 33 Democrats announced their retirement. And I personally vetted and recruited the best class of candidates I've seen to date. That is a lie. Kevin McCarthy does not do anything of the sort. Kevin McCarthy recruits people that will help Kevin McCarthy. Just so you know that. Now we've taken a turn for the worst. For the worst? I don't think that's right grammar. Anyway... Democrats have pulled ahead in the polls and surged, surges in all capital letters, ahead in fundraising, while our fundraising has come to a complete standstill. Now, I've already told y'all why the, why the Republicans' fundraising has come to a standstill. They are led by incompetent grifters. The NRSC spent far too much money on digital advertising upgrades, which has left them with not nearly enough money to be any, to take any real part in the campaigns, Senator McConnell, his own super PAC is doing a lot of the funding and a lot of the heavy lifting in Senate races. And most small dollar donors have evaporated because of predatory. Yes, predatory. Fundraising tactics like this email from the Republican Party, because the consultants in the Republican Party are out there solely to make a profit for themselves If the Republican Party wants to actually be a fundraising force, they need to fire and blacklist all of the campaign strategists that have been focused on all this recruiting using these horribly written emails, text messages, etc. that spam our phones and email inboxes. Now, all of that said, there is good news for the Republican Party and it actually comes of all places, from the New York Times. Now, Nate Cohn is a polling analyst at the New York Times, and he has a piece out today that is a giant red sirens all over the place for Democrats. Ahead of the last presidential election, Cohn writes, we created a website tracking the latest polls. Internally, we called it a polling diary. Despite a tough polling cycle, one feature proved to be particularly helpful a table showing what would happen if the 2020 polls were as wrong as they were in 2016 when pollsters systematically underestimated Donald J. Trump's strength against Hillary Clinton. Now the 2016 polling is extremely interesting because the 2016 polling showed Hillary Clinton beating Donald Trump. And when you look at the polling numbers, the actual percentages in those polls were right. The number of votes that Hillary Clinton got, the percentage of the vote sheet was actually pretty much within the ballpark of what the polls were suggesting. The problem with 2016 is that the states were polled incorrectly. State-level polling was atrocious. And so while you look at the national numbers, the polling was right. But when you look at individual states the polling was way off. It gave Hillary Clinton far too much of an advantage in certain states. The same thing happened in those states in 2020. In 2020, several states ended up being far closer than the polling gave Donald Trump credit for. The polling had in some states anywhere between five and eight percent Points higher than what Joe Biden actually ended up getting in those states. From Cohn, we created this poll error table for a reason. Early in the 2020 cycle, we noticed that Joe Biden seemed to be outperforming Mrs. Clinton in the same places where polls overestimated her four years earlier. That pattern didn't necessarily mean the polls were wrong. It could have just reflected Mr. Biden's promised strength among white working class voters, for for instance, but it was a warning sign. That warning sign is flashing again. Democratic Senate candidates are outrunning expectations in the same places where the polls overestimated Mr. Biden in 2020 and Mrs. Clinton in 2016. What does all this mean? bottom line from Cohn, it raises the possibility that the apparent democratic strength in was in wisconsin and elsewhere is a mirage an artifact of persistent and unaddressed biases in survey research so the lay of the land in georgia right now a place where joe biden polled much higher than he actually ended up getting Herschel Walker is up. I think the polling average has him up 0.5 points over Raphael Warnock. In Arizona, uh, Mark Kelly is up a couple points over Blake Masters. Another place where Joe Biden pulled much higher than he actually got. In Wisconsin, same thing. Ron Johnson has been believed to be in trouble. But if the, I mean, Wisconsin, as Cohn points out, was ground zero for polling errors in 2020 and 2016. Raphael Warnock and Adam Lexalt of Nevada, both very likely to win. The two most likely Republicans to win in the toss-up states available. Right there gives Republicans a 52-48 advantage in the Senate. If Mark Kelly loses to Blake Masters, 53-47. What has Republicans worried is Pennsylvania, where Mehmet Oz, who is not a great candidate, is polling several points behind John Fetterman. But Pennsylvania is another state where those polling issues have arisen. I've talked a lot about Georgia. Let's look at Nevada because Catherine Cortez Masto is in a unique position. Former attorney general of Nevada, she inherited her seat from Harry Reid himself, one of the most influential political figures in the Democratic Party and in Nevada in history. Also very polarizing. Harry Reid commanded a lot of power and a lot of influence from that seat. And that seat was basically handed over Cortez Masto. She cannot escape in the polls the margin of error. By and large, she is stuck within the margin of error of each and every poll that comes out from Nevada. Now, if what Nate Cohn is saying in the New York Times is true, this is a statistical tie and possibly an advantage to the Republicans. Now, why? Two reasons that I have talked about ad nauseum on this show. The first is the flight of Hispanic voters away from Democrats toward the GOP. That is causing a lot of concern among the Democratic Party as a whole, but particularly in places like Arizona and Nevada. You also have economic issues persisting as the primary cause of concern among voters. In places where, say, abortion is one of the main things on the ballot, like in Kansas, although I've told you guys my issues with the Kansas proposition. In places where abortion is the issue on the ballot, it can drive out voters. But right now, abortion is barely a top five issue and the top two, three issues are far outpacing the others in terms of concern, the economy, inflation, jobs, etc. Those kitchen table issues are the primary concern for American voters. Cortez Masto is now very afraid of her position. And you can tell because over the weekend and late last week, she started attacking crisis pregnancy centers which is not a move you make if you're trying to scare Republicans from voting. If you're trying to tear down your opponent, she's attacking crisis pregnancy centers as a means of rallying liberals to the polls in November. Her own base is breaking apart and she's trying to salvage it. If the Republicans take Georgia, as I expect they will, And if they take Nevada like could very well be the case, all of a sudden, really, the Republicans can afford to lose Pennsylvania. But Pennsylvania, even with Oz trending behind, John Fetterman cannot complete a sentence. He struggles putting more than one sentence together. The few times he's been out on the campaign trail and he's made public comments, his sentences have cut off. They've faded out. He's been confused. He's made mistakes. And these aren't just nervousness, misspeaking, whatever. These are real verbal tics stemming from the stroke he had before the primary. And voters are taking note. And the fact that he will not debate Mehmet Oz is a problem that even local media is pointing out in Pennsylvania. Now, his campaign says he's agreed to it, but the Oz campaign has pointed out, you didn't agree to a date, you didn't agree to a time, you didn't agree to a television station, you just said, yeah, I'll debate you. Fetterman isn't committing to anything. These are all warning signs for the Democrats. That red wave that everybody was afraid of may actually still be there. Right now, 538, which is another uh, statistical group outlet that looks at things like polls and issues. They have Republicans at a 78 percent chance of taking the House. And I think it's actually much higher. But now the Senate is leaning Republican, whether they want, whether the Re- Democrats want to admit it or not. But the Republicans, once again, fully capable of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. We'll see as the race goes on. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have more on these issues and and others here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. So a Texas school district, Texas school district is actually branding homeschooling as dangerous in order to try and intimidate parents. So, even in places where you th- where you would think that the uh, that conservatism would prevail, it doesn't always. The education system still has a lot of work that needs to be done with those that are in power in a lot of these places. A North Texas school district was recently exposed for ma- for, for making a thinly veiled attempt to intimidate parents who are pulling their children out of school. This is a piece that is about to go live at redstate.com from my buddy Jeff Charles. Uh Madison Bratcher, the mother of a girl who was enrolled in the Bridgeport Independent School District, received an odd reaction from her daughter's school after withdrawing her. She says her daughter was bullied, exposed to se- to inappropriate sexual talk by other students and mistreated in classes and on the bus. The school board never or the school never addressed the issues with Miss Bratcher who brought them up to the school the school board upon hearing that bratcher was trying to withdraw her child uh she she was told by the school board and basically in the forms from this school board that she had to acknowledge the dangers, concerns, and disadvantages of homeschooling. One of the forms also said the district could investigate a family if it has, quote, reasonable cause to believe the assurance given that the child would pursue a bona fide program of homeschooling is not true. So there is an in- attempt by the public school systems to intimidate parents who take their kids out of school and and homeschool them. Now, this isn't just political, mind you. School funding is dependent on those kids being enrolled in the public school system. If you pull your kid out and homeschool them, the schools lose that funding. The school board loses that funding. But it's very, very odd, very odd, that they would try to intimidate this way. Very concerning. Even in Texas. All right. Now, before we go, did you guys watch all the football games this weekend? Because they were very, very nerve-wracking, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I think the most thrilling game of, well, I can't say the most thrilling. Um, one of the most thrilling, Alabama-Texas. A lot of commentary about that one, too. Uh, I think, despite the fact that they... I mean, first of all, Texas should recruit quarterbacks that are stronger than Styrofoam because they broke very easily against Alabama. But looking a little closer, Texas figured out the key. Rush pressure that offense, pressure Bryce Young. Yes, he stepped up to the pressure at the end of the game, but for most of the game... Alabama was making mistakes. Far more penalties than any you've ever seen, I think, since uh, since Nick Saban had been there. And clearly, Alabama was getting frustrated. So the key is to bring in that pressure and frustrate Alabama. They don't quite have a 100% squad. You can take advantage of that. Then we saw the upsets across the board. I mean, App State, uh, Marshall, you you had, uh, a uh, what was it, BYU um that game was an upset as well I mean just just upsets across the board and then you had yesterday uh where the Saints I think gave uh Shannon about 45 different uh heart attacks throughout the the game but they they eventually came back um you had let's see uh I know a lot of very upset Cowboys fans right now of course I think what's hilarious is and it's not hilarious that Dak Prescott has severely hurt his hand. That's that's upset. I actually like Dak Prescott, even if I don't like the Cowboys. Uh, but there, as always happens when a starting quarterback gets injured, somebody says, well, "What about Colin Kaepernick?" And hilariously enough, I think it was uh, former <laughs> former Cowboy Michael Irvin said, "Absolutely not." Let me see here. Here we go. Um, let me find the quote. Uh, Irvin. Let's stop with this Colin Kaepernick stuff. Let's just stop Ka- uh, Kaepernick's been out of football for what 5 years now. Come on, man. Let's stop all of a sudden uh, let's stop all of a sudden thinking we can go resurrect Colin Kaepernick and he's going to come and resurrect a football team. I'll take my chances with Cooper Rush. I will take my chances with a Cooper Rush. I saw in a, I saw him win a football game last year. That's all I'm saying. So not even former Cowboys who have also played the game. want uh, Kaepernick to be anywhere Around them. All right. 23 hour break here on The Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, stick around. Offsides is next. Shannon will be in. Talk to you guys real soon here on The Joe Cunningham Show. News talk 96.5. KPL.